Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I was working at a cafe in London. This was stressful and poorly paid. There was a constant line of people coming through the doors wanting their tailored fix of coffee. And there were never enough staff because employees would quit by simply not turning up. An hour into most shifts, I would start to develop a headache. By the time I finished, the pain was making me feel nauseous. I would throw a coat over my work t-shirt and struggle through the crowded streets before descending into the underground. Crammed onto the tube, always standing, there was never a seat. I vowed that I would spend the evening applying for jobs so I would never have to spend another day rushing through order after order and putting up with the complaints if I made the slightest mistake. Then I would get home to the flat that I shared with five other people and the place would be filthy. There would be music booming and somebody would have taken my food from the communal fridge and there would be a cockroach crawling across the kitchen floor. By this stage, I didn't have the strength to do anything but put my headphones in and crawl into bed and fall asleep. The next morning, the whole soul-destroying routine would begin again. One afternoon, my stress levels were higher than ever because the cafe had lost its hot water for 30 minutes earlier and somehow this had become my fault. There were customers everywhere that I looked, customers demanding refunds and free drinks, telling me that they were posting complaints online. It was horrible, but I was going to get through it. I took a deep breath and held up what I really hoped was the correct order for the person who had given their name as Jane. A smartly dressed blonde woman somewhere in her 30s looked up when I called out the order and the name. She took the drink and said, Tough day? I didn't have the energy to lie and say everything was fine and have a great day now. Instead, I managed halfway between a grimace and a smile and replied, It'll get better. She smiled warmly at this and held out a business card. I took it. There is a name, a phone number, email, and a swirling logo on it that I didn't recognize. Call me, she said while I was looking at it and then laughed. I had no idea who she was or why she wanted me to call her, but this unexpected moment lifted my spirits, and I turned back to the chaos of the backed-up orders with a genuine smile on my face. I also realized that my headache had eased. Another long shift at work over, I left the cafe and decided to make the call straight away. I had grown increasingly intrigued as the day had passed about why the woman had wanted me to speak to her. She picked up on the second ring and suggested that we meet at a nearby bar in 30 minutes. I knew the place and I said that I would see her there. A few stops on the underground later and I emerged from a station across the road from the bar. It was pretty upmarket and I started to wish that I had had a chance to have a shower and change of clothes. But then I saw the woman inside the bar, sitting at a table by the window, and she had seen me, and she smiled. 
I grinned back and went to see what this mysterious stranger had wanted. This mysterious and beautiful stranger. As I sat opposite of her and she waved over a waitress, I started to feel hot under the collar. I hadn't really noticed in the cafe earlier how attractive she really was. Suddenly I wondered if she had asked me to call her because she thought that I was good looking. Was this some kind of date? Which made me really wish that I had had a shower and put some nicer clothes on. A bottle of white wine and two glasses were brought over and put on the table. The waitress poured out the drinks and as glasses were raised in a toast, I was paranoid that my armpit smelled. My maybe date took a sip of her drink, then looked me in the eye and said, Do you have a partner at the moment? My core temperature rose by a few more degrees. I shrugged to try and act cool. Not at the moment, I replied. I did not add. Not since my girlfriend had dumped me a year ago. And are you close to your family? She asked. Which I thought was a bit of an odd question. But what the hey, I was having a drink in a nice bar after work with an attractive woman. So I went with the flow. I told her that I was an only child and I had fallen out with my parents when I had dropped out of university. And then she went on to ask me about friends and my job and what my hopes were for the future. And I opened up. I told her how I didn't have any close friends, how frustrating work was and how desperate I was for something new. I talked more than I had for a long time. I was actually a bit embarrassed by how much I had said while she had mainly just sat in the sand. I grinned nervously and said, I guess you wouldn't believe me if I told you that I was the strong and silent type. She laughed, which made me feel better, and then she said, It's clear to me that you're looking to break free from the constrictions that ordinary life places on most people, and I would like to offer you the opportunity to do just that. She leaned forward and lowered her voice when she added, this is a once-in-a-lifetime offer with a deadline. I'm going to finish this glass of wine and then leave and get into the limousine which is waiting outside. If you come with me, you'll be walking away from your old life to begin an incredible adventure. If you decide to stay here, then nothing will change. My head was spinning by now. This wasn't a date, it was insane. I needed another drink. My hand was shaking as I raised the glass to my lips. She finished her own drink and calmly stood and started to walk towards the door. I tried to think of reasons why I shouldn't go with her, but I couldn't think of a single thing. I hated where I lived and worked and there was nobody that I would miss. The bitter truth was, I had been sleepwalking my way through my life, wasting it. Now, as I watched the woman step through the door, I felt truly alive for the first time in a long time. The future was unknown and exciting. I made a decision. I left the bar and I hurried after her. There was a sleek black limousine parked outside of the bar. The back door by the pavement was ajar. I looked at it and drew in a deep breath. It wasn't too late. I could still do the sensible thing and keep walking. No way, I told myself. It was time to take a leap of faith. I opened the door and I climbed into the limousine. I sank back into the seat as my eyes adjusted to the subtle lighting inside the car. The windows were tinted and there must have been soundproofing because the noise of the traffic was reduced to a distant hum as we set off. I couldn't see a driver in the front because of a dark glass partition. The woman from the bar was sitting alongside me, and she took a document out of a slim briefcase on the seat next to her leg. She held it out to me along with a silver pen. This is a contract. It includes a confidentiality agreement. If you would like to read it and are happy to sign it, then I can tell you more. I took the pen and document, opened it at the last page, and signed it. As I handed it back, I told her, I don't need to read it. I was buzzing. 
I didn't care about the small print at a moment in time. I was ready to cut loose. I noticed a small smile on her face as she put the document away. I figured she was clearly impressed by my attitude. She closed the briefcase and said, I work for a production company. We are about to begin filming a new reality show, and you are the final contestant to have signed up to take the part. We do not want any spoilers to reach the public domain. This is why we're recruiting contestants in such an unusual way, and why you and the other contestants will be taken straight to the location. All the contestants will record frequent video diaries. These will be edited together and the finished series will be shown nightly on primetime TV. Each of the contestants will be provided with basic equipment and left on their own in different areas on an isolated island. It's a harsh environment. No one lives there and there is no infrastructure. You'll have to scavenge for food and drink and you will face added challenges which have been introduced. She produced a small console and gave it to me and went on. This is for recording your diary. There is a tracker in there as well so that we can keep tabs on you. There is also an alarm. If you cannot cope anymore, activate the alarm and the tracker will lead us to you and you'll be rescued and eliminated. The last person standing wins a million pounds. They will also be signed up by a leading talent agency who will develop the winner's celebrity brand and the money will just keep on rolling in. I had listened in awe, particularly to the last parts about the money and fame. It was a dream come true and all I had to do was tough it out longer than any of the other contestants on some stupid island. I wasn't remotely the outdoor type but for the prize on offer I would do it. How hard could it be? Sounds great, I said with genuine enthusiasm. I love your attitude, she responded. The only other thing you need to know are the rules. If you break any of these, there will be serious consequences, so listen carefully. First, you cannot ask any questions. Second, once you are on the island, you are to have no interaction with the other contestants. Last, you will have no contact with the outside world starting here. She held out her hand. So give me your mobile phone, please. I was desperate to post about this amazing development. I wanted to show my ex-girlfriend that I was not a boring loser after all. But I could see that she was serious. So I reluctantly gave her my phone. Thank you, she said. I'll be leaving you here. The car is remotely driven and will take you to your transport to the island. Good luck and remember the rules. The car drew to a smooth stop. She got out and closed the door without another word. Before I had the chance to react, the car set off again and I was left sitting there in a daze. I had lots of questions but I had no one to ask. And besides, I wasn't meant to ask any questions. I reminded myself. I tried to relax and enjoy the ride, but I was far too excited. A million pounds, a talent agency. These tantalizing phrases kept running through my mind and I could not stop smiling. The car continued its smooth passage along roads that I could not see. Inside the bubble of the limousine and without my phone, I felt disconnected from the outside world and I couldn't say how long the journey had lasted for. I must have dropped off to sleep though because the next thing I knew I could feel cold air against my skin, and I looked up to see that the door was open. I stepped out into darkness to find myself looking at a helicopter. Living in London, I had seen plenty of police helicopters and air ambulances passing by overhead, but this was the first time that I had seen one up close. A door opened and I could see a man inside waving me forwards, just as the rotor blade started to turn. My skin started to tingle and I already felt like I was in a TV show. Keeping my head low, I hurried over to the open door and felt a hand on my arm, helping me to board. The sound of blades and the growl of the engine was deafening, 
and I was aware of lights flashing in the cockpit in front of me where the police sat. I was relieved to see them. I wasn't totally out of my comfort zone with the idea of a remotely driven car, but for the first time in a helicopter, it was good to have a human being at the controls. The person who had helped me on board was pointing at a metal seat in the back and yelling at me to get strapped in. I managed to get the straps in place and clipped in, and then the helicopter began to rise into the air. I stared out at the distant lights of the city as we spiraled away. The next few hours were exhilarating as the helicopter cut through the night. I caught glimpses of light in the sky which I assumed were planes and lights on the ground from clusters of buildings and roads. Where we were going though was a complete mystery to me. The man who had helped me on board was up front with the pilot and I was left alone. There were a couple of cases trapped down near my feet but other than that, the interior of the helicopter was empty. Cabin service or in-flight movies were clearly not going to happen. So I closed my eyes and once again drifted off into sleep. I woke with the start to the sight of a gray early morning sky through the helicopter window. I stretched and winced at the pains in my neck and back that must have been caused by sleeping in that hard seat. The door next to me was pushed open by the man who had helped me on board. End of the line, he told me. Get out. He definitely needs to work on his customer service skills, though, I thought. My hands were cold and numb and it took me a couple of minutes to free myself. I shuffled towards the door and then half-stepped, half fell out of the helicopter. I landed clumsily, almost twisting my ankle. I staggered sideways a couple of steps and then came to an unsteady stop. I took a moment, breathed out, and smiled. I had made it. Where I had made it to, though, I had no idea. And behind me, the rotors were still turning. The man who had stayed on board was unstrapping the cases. He threw the first one out of the helicopter and shouted over the noise of the rotors as it landed by my feet. That's your tent. And then as he moved to pick up the next case, he added, And in here is the rest of your supplies. A sleeping bag, a cooking equipment, matches, and a knife. Thank you, I called back and then I asked, Where am I? I had completely forgotten about the no questions rule until the moment the words were out of my mouth. Not to worry, I thought. I was sure asking one little question wouldn't be a problem. But the man was frowning and shaking his head and putting down the case with these supplies in it. You broke a rule, he yelled, and that means consequences. I watched in mounting dismay as he pulled the straps back over the remaining case as I realized that he wasn't going to give it to me. No, I shouted, but he wasn't listening. He was slamming the door and the helicopter was taking off, leaving me there looking up into the sky as it grew smaller and smaller. I sighed and looked around. Ahead of me, the sea stretched out to the horizon. The water was dark and waves crashed against a narrow stony beach. Everywhere outside turned, I saw a bleak landscape covered by moss. A few scrawny trees grew, and there was no sign of anyone else. No buildings, no roads, no pylons, and nada. I had been told this would be the case, but standing there, reality started to hit. I was in the middle of nowhere and on my own. It was horrible. And then I thought how, if I had stayed in London, I'd be working another shift at the cafe. Well, this was better than that, surely. I clenched my fist and told myself that I was going to succeed and win the show. Burning with determination, I decided to make a start by putting the tent up and open the case. There was only one problem with this. I had no idea how to put a tent up. There were no instructions with the sheets and bendy tubes and little metal pegs. I laid everything out separately on the ground, thinking that that might help. It didn't. I scratched the stubble on my chin and frowned. That didn't help either, and so I decided to give up. I would leave the tent and go look for somewhere that I could take shelter. 
There must have been people living here at some point in the past, I figured. There would be an old abandoned farmhouse or something like that. Something that did not need building. I gave the components of the tent the finger and I set off walking. The ground was uneven beneath my feet. Mossy humps were crisscrossed by gashes in the earth. I wondered if this would be a good time to record my first video diary. But what would I say? I've abandoned my tent because it was too complicated for me. That wasn't the public image that I wanted. I decided to leave the diary until I had something impressive to share. I walked on. The cold wind which had greeted me through the open door of the helicopter when I had arrived was getting stronger. My coat was fine for the short walk to the underground and then to the flat, but out here it was far too thin. It felt like the wind was going straight through it. I started to shiver. I really needed to find shelter soon. I also really needed something to eat and drink. I think the adrenaline rushes of earlier had kept me going, but now there was a dull ache in my stomach and my mouth felt parched and I was starting to feel lightheaded. And then I had my first stroke of luck. There were small red berries shining in one of the crevices. I leaned over and studied them. I knew that some wild mushrooms were poisonous, even deadly. I had no idea if the same was true of berries, but I was hungry and thirsty enough to take the chance. I pulled one free and rolled it around in my fingers. It looked innocuous enough and didn't smell of anything funny, so I took the chance and I popped it in my mouth. I gave it a tentative chew. It didn't taste of anything either, but I could feel moisture from it. The tiniest amount and I wanted more. I grabbed a handful of berries and put them all in my mouth at once. I chewed greedily and this time got a hit of sweetness. Five minutes later and all the berries were gone and I was patting my stomach and feeling a lot better about things. This scavenging business wasn't that hard after all. I decided and I set back off walking. I was trudging along when I noticed something moving in the distance. My heart skipped a beat when I realized it was another person, another contestant, it must have been. They were quite a way away but only needed to look to their right to see me standing there in the middle of a wide open space. I had already suffered the consequences of breaking one of the rules. If I broke the rule about interacting with another contestant, and this was picked up by the proximity of our trackers, that I had no idea what might happen. Maybe the producers would go so as far to eliminate me from the show. I didn't want to risk that, so I laid down flat on the ground and remained as still as possible. The ground was hard and wet, and I was sure that I could feel something crawling along the side of my face, but I did not move. Finally, I took a chance and looked up and then breathed a sigh of relief. The coast was clear. I pushed myself back to my feet, pulled a bug with far too many legs off my cheek and threw it away in disgust, and then headed off hoping that I wouldn't run into anyone else. The wind now had flecks of rain in it. Within minutes, the rain grew heavier and my clearly useless city coat was soon sticking to my skin. My body temperature crept lower and I began to shake. My teeth began to chatter. I didn't think that was something that actually happened, but my teeth were chattering together and my jaw was trembling, and there was nothing that I could do about it. Any happiness I felt from the discovery of the berries was ancient history, and I was completely miserable. I trudged on, feeling close to tears. I was finding it hard to keep track of time, but I think it was about 30 minutes later that the rain eased and the sky cleared. I was soaked wet through and feeling low, but the turn in the weather helped. I wiped my hand across my eyes and scanned the horizon, desperately hoping for a building to appear. There were no ruined farmhouses, but there was a rainbow arching across the sky in the distance. It was beautiful, vivid, a sharp display of nature. Despite everything else that had happened, I couldn't help but smile. 
I decided to head in the direction of where the rainbow reached down to the earth to my left. Obviously, I knew there wouldn't be a pot of gold waiting for me if I found the end of the rainbow, but I thought, why not? And if I found somewhere to shelter, then that would be treasure enough. The rainbow faded far too quickly, though, and then the rain returned, with a vengeance. The rain before had been uncomfortable and annoying, but this was like being attacked. Freezing cold droplets stung my skin. I staggered from side to side under the blows, and there was no sign of it relenting. I began to shake again so badly that I must have looked like I was having a fit or being tased. To make matters even worse, I realized that it was getting dark as well. No way, I began to say to myself, getting a mouthful of rain in the process. No way that I can do this. Spending a night out in the open in this weather was out of the question. I had to keep going. I had to find somewhere. The last of the light was slipping away when an opportunity to make it through the night presented itself. I could see a tent pitched up ahead. It was standing up in the storm and it looked so inviting. It would be dry inside and I could sit out the storm. There was one obvious red flag with this situation. It was another contestant's tent. They would be in there warm and dry. But to join them meant there was a serious chance that I would be eliminating myself from the show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And eliminating them as well. My thoughts were going in circles as I tried to work out what to do. And then a lightning bolt arched across the sky and thunder rumbled in its wake. I forget this, I said. Forget this stupid show. I needed to get inside that tent. I would deal with the consequences afterwards. I ran towards it, and as I came closer, I saw that the front was open. I shouted out, I'm sorry, but I'm desperate and I'm coming in. There was no answer, no sign of movement. I leaned over and put my head inside, and it was pitch black. Hello? I yelled over the sound of the storm and waited for a response. There was nothing. I moved further into the tent and felt around tentatively. I really hoped I wouldn't encounter someone who was crashed out in a sleeping bag. Talk about a rude awakening. But pretty soon it became clear that there was nobody in the tent. I had found what felt like a sleeping bag though. I managed to crawl into it and lay there, shivering violently and grateful that I had found somewhere to shelter. Where the other person was I had no idea, and I didn't have the strength to worry about it. My eyelids flickered and I was asleep the moment that I closed my eyes. I don't remember dreaming. I came awake slowly, opened my eyes reluctantly for a moment and I glimpsed hazy light. At first, I couldn't remember where I was, but then it came back to me. I was in a reality show on an island in somebody else's tent, in somebody else's sleeping bag. I listened for the sound of thunder and rain, but it was almost silent apart from the opening at the front of the tent, rustling slightly in a breeze. I yawned and enjoyed a moment of peace and reflection. I was still wet though inside the sleeping bag, but I had made it through the night in one piece, and I was still in the running to win the show. I smiled and I opened my eyes properly and sat up, and I cried out in horror. There were dark red stains splattered over the inside of the tent. Dark red stains on the sleeping bag and the ground. Stains on my hands as well. I began to hyperventilate because I knew what the stains were. They were blood. Without thinking about it, I ran my fingers through my hair. My hair was matted and I looked at my fingers. There was more of the red on it, more of the blood. 
I touched my cheek and there was a viscous layer on my skin. More blood. The inside of the tent was covered in red and it had gotten all over me as well. I had been exhausted and wet when I had entered the tent and it had been too dark to see the blood. Now, all that I could see was blood. Sickened and panicking, I struggled out of the sleeping bag and pushed my way out of the tent. I stood upright and stumbled away and fell to my knees, gasping, and I looked back. The rain must have washed away any blood that was outside, but I was sure the ground still looked darker. It was tainted. Part of the scene of some terrible crime. That was the only thing that I could think of. Whoever had been in the tent had been savagely killed and their body taken away. Then along I came and fallen asleep oblivious to what had happened. I was so stupid. I had been worrying about breaking a rule. Don't interact with another contestant and look at me now. Seriously, I thought. Was I covered in blood because I had broken a rule? Was this day a waking nightmare because I had broken a rule? Seriously, I said under my breath, and then I said it louder and louder. Seriously, I yelled at the top of my voice, and then I lay there panting until I heard a noise, a howl, a ragged scream. I held my breath, froze. What on earth, I thought. It was some kind of animal, and it sounded close and feral. And I was dragged back to another thing the woman had said to me while we were in the limousine. You will face added challenges which have been introduced. Seriously, it was all that I could say. All that I had left. This reality show was beyond messed up and there was no way I could go on. It was time to tap out and once I had been rescued, I was going to sue the production company for every penny that they had. I would go public as well, burn them down courtesy of the media and the net. I took out the console and found an on button. It glowed into life. A simple display showed two icons. One was for a camera presumably to record the video diaries, which were now never going to happen. And one was for an alarm. I pressed the icon and it began to flash. Now all that I had to do was wait. A helicopter would appear over the horizon sooner rather than later and I would be speeding away from here. Thankfully, the creature, whatever it was, had stopped howling. But then a thought occurred to me. Maybe it had been a recording, a fake. Maybe it was just a sound broadcast from a hidden speaker designed to freak me out. And maybe the blood-soaked tent was a setup as well. This was television after all and everybody knew that reality shows were staged. My shoulders sagged and I laughed. I swore. I cursed the producers and waited for the rescue helicopters to arrive. I waited some more. Time was dragging and I was cold again and I could feel the rain starting back up. At least that would wash some of the fake blood off, I told myself, trying to dredge up something positive. But as the rain grew heavier and there was still no sign of a helicopter, my spirits sank back into the gutter. I decided to go back into the tent. It wasn't really the sight of a slaughter, I told myself. And it would be better than waiting outside. I pushed myself to my feet. I heard a howl. A high definition, very convincing howl, I reassured myself. A howl that was getting louder because they had turned the volume up. There was no crazed beast out there. It was all part of the show. I took a step towards the tent. The howl got louder. It sounded as if it was coming closer. But that was just my mind being fooled, I told myself. It sounds louder, so it must be getting closer. Instinctively, I looked around. No monsters here, I muttered to myself. And then I saw the dark shape running towards me. It might have been a dog or a wolf. It was hard to be sure from a distance. Whatever it was, it was not a special effect. It was hideously real. It raised its head, howled, and increased its pace. I could make out jet black eyes tinged with red. 
slobber hanging from the fangs. Terror rushed through my body. I couldn't wait for rescue now, and to stay and fight was out of the question. My only hope was to flee. I turned and began to run. Behind me, the howl rose louder than ever. I ran as hard and as fast as I could. Each breath burnt. Sharp pains gripped my chest. And it was all for nothing. I could hear the creature panting now as it closed in on me. I didn't dare take a look around because I knew that it was right there, on my heels about to strike. Tears were running down my face. I was about to die and this was it. But then the ground opened up beneath me and I fell. I landed heavily. The breath was knocked from me and I looked up in shock. I could see daylight overhead and then it was gone as a hatch was pushed into place. The gloom descended but it was not full dark wherever I was. I could see that the person who had closed the hatch was a woman. She had tangled gray hair and was dressed in rags. She looked up at the hatch. The howling was coming from the other side of it now. It was muffled but it still sounded intense. The creature, it sounded angry. I swallowed, caught my breath, and didn't care about breaking the rules anymore. I had a question and I asked it. What's happening? She spun around and put a finger to her lips and hissed. Shh. She glanced back up at the hatch. The howling had stopped, but I could hear the creature panting. She turned away and came over to where I sat. It can smell us, but it can't see us, and it won't be able to hear us if we're very quiet, she whispered, and it won't be able to move the hatch, so all we have to do is hang tight and it will move on. There's always a regular supply of much easier prey for it to catch. She crouched down next to me and stayed very still, and I did the same. After a while, everything grew quiet up top and the woman said, it's gone, you're safe. And then she went over into a corner. There was already a small flame flickering. She lifted the base of it, tipped it. A new larger flame rose from inside a wooden bowl. The gloom was lifted and I could see everything around me very clearly. I was in a pit dug into the earth. It was rectangular around 20 feet long and half of that wide. I was 5'9 and could have stood up with plenty of room to spare, but I wasn't ready to get to my feet yet. I still had plenty of gawking to do. There was a crudely made wooden table and a chair in one corner. There were more wooden bowls scattered about. A sleeping bag in another corner was resting on top of what looked like a fat layer of dried moss. There was more dried moss over the rest of the ground. The woman had seen me staring and said, Home sweet home. And then she smiled. Her teeth were cracked and brown and the increased light had added ten years to her age. Her wardrobe looked as bad as before. I found myself thinking this and felt bad because of it. After all, this woman had just saved my life. Thank you, I said and found my voice breaking. For you know, saving me. But I can't stay here for long. I need to be back out on the surface. I was waiting for a helicopter, you see. It's going to take me away from this horrible place. She smiled again, but there was a sadness in the smile. And wisdom. She put a hand on my shoulder and said, There's no helicopter coming for you. No, you don't understand. I was picked to be a part of a reality show where I could end up rich and famous. And they brought me here. Everything was explained to me and I was given a set of rules to follow. Oh, and this. I took out the console. I was meant to use it to record video diaries. Not that I ever did. But I did use it to activate the alarm when it all got to be too much. And the helicopter will have honed in on my tracker and it should be on its way. She shook her head and said in a gentle voice. Oh, I was like you once. I was told that I was going to be part of a show and given a set of rules and an augmented camera, but it's all lies. 
There is no show, no prize, no fame and fortune. Nobody that will come and save you. Those of us who survived are trapped here on the island. I heard what she was saying, but I wouldn't. I couldn't believe her. No way, I protested. I can't be stuck here. If they won't come and rescue us, then we need to call for help in another way. Are there any other mobile devices on the island? Is there internet connection? She frowned and said, Inner what? A horrible, sick feeling settled over me. I asked in a shaky voice, How long have you been here? She looked thoughtful as she answered, Oh, it's hard to keep track of time, so I can't be entirely sure, but I would say more than 30 years. I swallowed down bile which had risen into the back of my mouth and asked, But why? Why are they lying to people and bringing us here and leaving us stranded? She shrugged her shoulders. I don't know. Could be it's a secret experiment by the government, or the military, or big business. Could be that we're the playthings of a twisted billionaire. I used to think about this all the time, and then I gave up and concentrated on keeping myself alive. Because of the creature, I asked, remembering the blood-soaked scene that it had left when it must have taken the other contestant from the tent. Creatures, she corrected me. Oh, there's more out there and not all of them walk on four legs. A cold chill ran down my spine. What do you mean? I asked. Let's just say being on the island can change you, she answered. Some of the other contestants who have been here for even longer than me are best to be avoided. I hugged myself tight and shuddered. So what now? I asked. Her gaze hardened. Now you leave, she said. I saved you because I've not completely lost my humanity, and I'll give you some food to take with you. But at the end of the day, my number one priority is my own survival, and you'll only weigh me down if you stay. I knew from the look in her eyes that there was no point in arguing. I was also desperate to eat something, and I didn't want her to change her mind if I wound her up. I accepted a wooden container holding red berries and a thick yellow root. With this balanced precariously, I climbed the ladder she propped against the side for me and emerged from the hatch. I looked around. The landscape looked barren, but now I knew that there were real threats out there with the teeth. I turned around. Maybe it wasn't too late to beg to be let back in. But the hatch was closed now and it was close to invisible. It was so well camouflaged. After sighing deeply, I stuffed a handful of berries into my mouth and I set off. I had soon eaten all the berries and chewed my way through the root. My stomach felt uncomfortably full, but I was still thirsty. I noticed one of the gashes in the earth held a small pool of water. It looked misty and there were dark specks floating in it. But that stopped me for all of about 60 seconds. I cupped my hand into the water and I drank deeply. It tasted like the nicest thing that I had ever drunk. 2023 was a fine vintage, I decided with a crooked smile on my face. I could have laid down and slept on, but I knew that I couldn't do that, I was too exposed. I needed more than shelter now. I needed a hiding place. A sanctuary. I forced my aching, exhausted limbs to keep moving. A while later, I reached the top of the ridge and looked down into a gently sloping valley. There were around a dozen tents set out in a circle. A deep ditch ran around the perimeter of the circle. It looked to be man-made. It appeared that I had stumbled across more contestants who had gathered together in an encampment. Whatever their individual journeys had been, they must have found each other and decided that there was strength in numbers. But would they let me join them? I wondered. Could this be my sanctuary? I raised my arms and opened out my hands. Showing them that I had no weapons, that I meant no harm, I headed for the tents. There had been no one visible before, but there must have been somebody watching because I was spotted quickly. I hadn't taken more than a dozen steps before people began to appear from the tents. 
There were men and women, and to my amazement too, young children. I watched as they were quickly ushered back into the tents by the adults. The children must have been conceived after their parents met up on the island. Though why anybody would choose to bring a child into this dangerous world was beyond me. One of the men was walking towards the inner edge of the ditch. I could see now that the ditch was filled with lengths of wood that had been sharpened to brutal tips. And I was wondering how they got across to go scavenge for food when the man shouted out. Stop, stranger. I came to a halt. I was close enough by now to see the man's expression clearly. He looked wary and I didn't blame him, especially with the children there. Keeping my hands in the air, I yelled back. I'm not a danger. I've only been here for a couple of days. I know the truth and I'm looking for somewhere that I can be safe. He shook his head and turned away. Please help me. I began to call and then stopped. A woman stepped forward. She was holding a bow and arrow and she pulled back the bow. The arrow was released and it hurtled towards me. Like an animal caught in the headlights, I froze. The arrow landed point first in the ground a few feet in front of me. The next one will hit you, she shouted, and I will be aiming to kill. Terrified and knowing that she was serious, I backed away, and I returned to my lonely progress. It wasn't long before I realized that I was being followed. You know, sometimes if somebody is looking at you or behind you, somehow you just know. Well, I had that feeling. I glanced over my shoulder. There was a man standing there. He was big and he was dressed in rags and had a long straggly beard. His face was smeared with dirt and he was staring at me and smiling. It wasn't a smile that said I wanted to be your friend either. It was laced with menace. My guts tightened. Flee once again won out easily in the fight-or-flee equation. I started walking away from him quickly and glanced back again to see if he was following but he hadn't moved. I looked away from him and saw two more ragged men dead ahead of me. Their smiles were wide and wild. I watched them helplessly as they moved towards me. The first man was doing the same. Being on the island can change you, the woman in the pit had said. Some of the other contestants who have been here for even longer than me are best to be avoided. As far as avoiding went, this was a definite fail on my part. The men were on me. They grabbed my arms and began to drag me away. Soon I saw that they were taking me to a crude building made of stone. It was roughly circular and smoke was rising out of an opening in the peak of the roof. There were no windows, but there was a low door. One of the men grabbed me by the scalp and pulled my head down so that I could fit through, and then I was thrown to the ground. Another home sweet home, I thought, and suppressed a hysterical giggle. There were no veneers of the civilization that we had left behind here. No tables or chairs or bowls. No comfortable sleeping place made. There was dirt everywhere instead, smeared over the ramshackle walls and pressed into the dirt. There were dozens of dirty white slivers. I was wondering what these were when I saw an almost complete skull that was held in the dirt. A human skull. Its eye cavity stared outwards and its jaw was wide open. As if it was trying to scream, I thought to cry out for help before it was made part of this carnal house. And carnal house it was. Now my eyes had adjusted to the gloom and I could see the ground was littered with smaller bones. In the center of this gruesome waste was a large pot suspended over a fire. Wood crackled and flared at the base, and from the pot the steam that I had seen from outside spiraled up. There was a powerful aroma coming from the pot, and I found myself drawn to it. I got to my feet and moved forward. I circled the pot, fearful of seeing more but needing to see more. I could see water boiling in it, bubbles rising to the surface, and in the depths of the water I could see a hand. There was more but I couldn't bear it. 
I span away horrified. One of the men who had brought me to this abhorrent place was standing just inside the entrance. The pot was in between both of us. My allies hunt, he said. The fare in the pot is weak and you're a skinny wretch. You'll boil down to nothing. A very disappointing broth. He sneered at me as he said this, and anger flared inside me. It was time to fight. I lashed out with my foot at the pot and it toppled over. Boiling water spilled out and struck the man. Some of the Syrian water splashed up onto his face and his torso, and the rest ran in a torrent over his feet. He cried out in agony and staggered backwards out of the building. Try not to look at the remains which had fallen from the pot as the water had emptied, I ran forward into the daylight. I careened into the man and he was already twisting this way and that in an agonized dance from the burns that I had inflicted on him, and I knocked him off balance and he fell to one side. I put my head down and I ran. That was months ago. Hard months of surviving by the skin of my teeth, of beginning to understand the island, of learning when to hide and when to strike. And I have my sanctuary now. It's in a cave that overlooks a bay. I chose here for two reasons. One is because I remember the helicopter dropped me off near a coastline, and I want to watch for another one to arrive bringing in a new contestant with no idea of the nightmare that they're entering. I would attack the crew and force them to take me away from here. If the contestant came back with us, that was fine by me, but I would not let them hold me back. If they were left behind, then so be it. The second reason is that when the tide is high, the sea rises almost to the entrance of my cave, and I know that I'm safe from attack until the water ebbs away again. I sleep for a little while then, and then I turn the console on. Its camera was damaged at some point, so it doesn't film, but the audio does work. I've been able to record this. The battery is almost dead now and my tail has reached this point, so I'm going to put this my message in a bottle into the sea tonight and hope that it reaches someone. If that someone is you, then please help me, somehow. I'll hang on as long as I can, alone and scared, on this island of the lost.